0: This land is your land, and this land is my land. From California to the New York Island, from the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters, this land was made for you and me. I went a walking that ribbon of highway, and I saw above me that in the skyway I saw below me that golden valley. This land
1: So we are we are very pleased to welcome to Red Kite here on East Leeds FM Sharon Manita, who is talking to us about the upcoming United States American election. So Hello, Sharon. And we have so far as our guests, Kane and Sam. Hello, everybody. Hello. So first of all, Sharon, tell us who you are and how you became involved in the American election from the UK.
2: Well, uh, let's see. Uh, Very long story. I'll try to make it very short. I started in politics when I was 12 years old, putting flyers through people's doors back, in the states, so um, I'm. I guess it's sort of a you know genetic defect or whatever. But I you know I've always been involved in politics. Besides that, um, I worked. I started working as a journalist when I was still in high school, and then worked in other things. Uh, university, I did political science and history at the first university, and the second one. Oddly enough, I did apparel design, and then I did three years of uh, what we call grad school, what the Brits call post-grad school over in London, uh, in conservation of historic textiles. And oddly enough, that was one of the best training courses I did for working in political media. I know that sounds absolutely crazy, but you just never know what part of your life will add to another part of your life. Uh, when I uh, arrived in the UK, uh, I had, had been active back in my state in the um, the party, the Democratic Party, of course, and uh, tried to see if there was any kind of group for Americans interested in politics, and it took me a year and a half to find Democrats abroad this is a long time ago, uh, joined them in 1979 and was surprised that there was no press structure. So after asking the question for eight years, they finally said, okay, go do it and set up a press structure for the UK committee and then the whole international body of Democrats abroad. So I was communications director for a number of years. And then in 2007, going into the 2008 campaign, I was asked by Congressman Dennis Kucinich uh, who was running for the Democratic nomination to go to Washington and be his communications director for the national campaign, which was absolutely fascinating, crazy, wild, but fascinating, and then came back uh, here and um, have continued to do media work. Of course, it's all changed, you know, it's it's social media as much as uh, press, the traditional press, but uh, there's a lot to do. And of course, Democrats Abroad has grown so much. It started in 1964 with two country committees, the UK and, and France. And now we have 44 full country committees, a number in formation, and members in 160 countries around the world.
3: One question I would I would ask is, um, with the current threat to, to mail-in ballots in the US, because as a expats, you vote by mail, right? It's still a yes, ballot. Yes. How's that
2: going? Yeah. Just, well, good question and very, very timely. We have for for years voted by mail, and of course, some states now you can do it electronically or by by paper ballot. And it's ne- there's never been a problem. It's just so frustrating to hear some of the things that are going on from a certain building in Washington, uh, the, the accusations they're making. Uh, first of all, uh, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen a US ballot. Uh, they're, they're very plain. you know, It's very solid paper with black ink, nothing exciting. And you have the list of candidates. Now, Trump talking about this, he's saying, oh, thousands of ballots are going to be brought in and all this. This is macro-soiling. It just isn't rational in any shape or form because my ballot from the uh, congressional district I vote from.
1: Because remember,
2: there's there's a hundred there. Each set, each state has two senators, and then that's the that's the Senate, and then the the what we call the Congress, but the House of Representatives. Each state has a number of representatives according to their population. So states like um, Montana have, I believe, two congressmen, Congress folks. Uh, states like New York and California, heavily populated, have a lot more. But your ballot only deals with your location. So on my ballot, since neither of my senators are up for re-election, because only about a third of the Senate every every two years is up for reelection, uh, I had no Senate senators to vote for. Uh, there was uh my Congressperson, and then some local things uh state so my my ballot doesn't look anything like someone in another congressional district, and we were kind of fooling around with this the other night and figured there's over eight thousand permutations of the u s ballot, so the idea that somebody's going to forge these is just ridiculous. The other thing is that the paper that it's printed on and the ink that is used are high security things. You know, think sort of in the in the realm of printing money. They're not something you can just get some copy paper out of, uh, you know, your stationary cupboard and and zip them off on a Xerox machine. It doesn't work like that. Uh, now that's how the mail-in ballots work. We've had a lot of concerns about voter suppression. It's not voter fraud, it's voter suppression. Fraud is trying to cheat the system. Suppression is trying to change the system. And what's happened is that a lot of states are doing things that happened Back before the civil rights movement, uh, changing uh the what the IDs you can use to register and only limiting it to a very small number. And if you don't have those and you're poor, you may have to go to the state capitol to get the right ID. And if you don't have a car, it all becomes very difficult. They they are in some states moving polling stations out of areas where people don't own a lot of cars, where they're poor, to areas where people do have cars. All these little niggly things. The other thing that's happening that we're just discovering now, so you're getting the the breaking news on this, is that some states are just getting crazy uh, instructions written so small that you would need a microscope to get all the instructions correct. Uh, There's all sorts of things like that. Now, some of it is that some of these states have never experienced the volume of mail-in voting that they are this year. And then of course, you I know you've heard that some states have been vote, bo- everybody votes by mail-in ballot and they've done that for years. But because of the volume this year, a lot of these problems are being uh, exposed and uh, which is good because it needs reforming, but it, it will turn some people off. And so we're very concerned about that. And then, of course, there is the um, propaganda from the White House saying it's all going to be fraudulent. If I lose, it's a fraud. And that's going to shake people up. So all these niggly, nasty things. But one last thing on voter fraud, there was a professor at Loyola University who looked at all, all the ballots from 2000 to 2015 there were, I don't know, um, was it 15 billion with a B billion ballots and they found 35 potential cases of fraud. And I looked at a couple of those and there were things like the father and the son had the same name. Somebody forgot to put the little apostrophe in O'Hara, you know, 35, even if all those cases were true, 35 out of 15 billion.
3: Yeah. It's, it's, it's never really been a, pro, a problem in the past. Was It since the civil war, I think mailing ballots have been. That's a, right.
2: Well a, done. Yeah. A, uh,
3: I mean, that's what like the whole electoral college is kind of built upon, right. Is
2: the oh. inability
3: to, I, that's, that's a whole, a whole discussion. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but,
2: uh, and you might have differences. There are, you know, people more, you know, sort of right, sort of left, but, uh, you know, the, the, there are problems that we can sit down and talk about. And that is the thing that Joe Biden is stressing so much that we have to come together and talk about these things. I think it was the New York Times, I may be wrong, that did a little experiment. They got some wild liberals from New York City and went out and met some people in the Midwest and spent two or three days with them. And at the end of it, they were all getting along terrifically and they even you know the people in the midwest found that the late one of the ladies from new york city could shoot a gun better than they could um not that i'm encouraging you know the use of guns but the thing is there were a lot, there were a lot more things in common and and it's something that it if we don't do this now i i do worry greatly for the country and i i hate to say that but uh,
0: one thing that i don't know is a uh, the whole like debate thing like what do they what do they talk about in like the whole debate
2: uh sam first of all may i say it shows a great sign of maturity that you admit you don't know something because so many people will not do that and it drives me nuts because we all know something that other people don't know and they know things that we don't know i've never understood why people you know will not admit they don't know something so i you know just bravo to you well done uh yeah the debates now this is interesting because um the first debate tell it was a television well television debate was between john kennedy and richard nixon so going back to 1960 and it was uh really interesting because uh uh kennedy was very savvy about tv and richard nixon wasn't and Kennedy agreed to wear some makeup, and Richard Nixon wouldn't do it because it wasn't masculine. Gee, we haven't heard that in the past 24 hours, have we? Uh, And uh, of course, when they got on TV, Nixon looked like he uh, hadn't shaved for three days and looked a bit pale and was sweaty. And just on visuals, Kennedy won the de- won the debate. Uh those went on for a while and then they reorganized in the 1980s uh to have a commission on the presidential debate so it was taken out of the po- political parties and done by an independent commission which is the the commission that still does it today. And the the thing is you're supposed it's supposed to be the moment where you can sit down and really watch two people, compare them and contrast them as they're face to face. And uh, this is very, you know, important to see how people react, what their beliefs are, and it's uh, it gets a huge audience in the United States. Normally, uh, I haven't seen the viewing figures for the Trump Biden debate. Uh, a lot of people were hiding under the covers. They it was just so, they were just so fed up with everything. And of course, it was a car crash, and uh, people were therefore much more interested in the vice presidential debate, which happened last night between Senator Kamala Harris and um, Vice President Mike Pence. And that was a much calmer affair, but it was interesting that people kind of thought it was dull, and that just shows how we're after all these years of being screamed at and the hyper partisanship of US politics in the, in, the, in the last five years, when something is normal, it seems dull. You know, And I say, please give me normal. But we've now heard that um, the next debate, the next presidential debate is supposed to be virtual. And Trump says he's not gonna come because he, they might cut off his microphone when he speaks too long, shocking. Um, so at this point, we don't know if there's going to be any more presidential debates for this election cycle.
1: Among other things, Kane comes from a theater background.
2: Ah, yeah. I just <laughs> need to think about like the
1: whole idea of politics and theater. And I don't know Kane as, as a theater maker, oh. uh, director, playwright, <laughs> actor, how you well, see American politics for good or bad, and maybe bad.
3: <laughs> from, from like, a, a theater perspective, um, it's it's a little insane. Um, <laughs> but also, its effect that it's having, even, like, on UK politics, uh, has been massive. Uh, the debates, if you look at the debates uh, in the UK, um, in the 80s, even in some cases the 90s, uh, it switched over massively to a lot of how, like, US ones are. Mm-hmm. the, the most theatrical aspects are the DNC and the RNC, which I'll be completely honest. There's times where it's ty- it's really scary, because it's like it's almost North Korean cult esque. Yeah, uh, the cult of personality that keeps burgeoning up in the US mm-hmm. is massive. Uh, I I watch uh, the US debates. I watch um I watch them live. Uh, saw the by uh, the Pence uh, Kamala one. Uh, last night, just just so you know, uh, I looked it up. The um, Trump uh, Biden debate only pulled in about 73 million, mm. uh, which is uh, for you know comparison. The uh, Clinton Trump debate pulled in 84 million. So it's it was like you said. I think it's a, I think it is part of the uh, like people being like. I think most people have made up their minds. To be completely honest. Yeah. I watched it because I knew how much of a show was going to be, to put it politely. Uh, and it freaked me out even then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think what is interesting, which can lead into to a, a question even, because um, that's what I'm meant to be doing, is uh, how the optics game is played between the two, uh, especially like Biden and Trump. Because Trump's all about optics, right? Between his rallies and his strong persona, oh, yeah. yeah, his fascistic yeah. uh, <coughs> tendencies. Um, so when it comes to like the debates, you really get that thing of playing the role, uh, like like you brought up with the Nixon Kennedy thing. Uh, it was what was it? If you were listening to on radio Nixon one, if you were watching on TV Kennedy.
2: Yep, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh,
3: so I was just wondering, how do you feel? Uh, Especially because, like, Trump's been playing the same character for the past thirty years. Uh, how do you how do you feel like the Biden campaign is doing optically and like in the press?
2: Um, I do think they're doing quite well, uh, Simone. Simons, who was Bernie Sand—now Simone Sanders—bite my tongue. Who is was Bernie Sanders' press secretary, which is the number two position in the communications ladder. Communications director is the senior one. Uh, she worked with Bernie on the 2016 campaign, and is a contributor to CNN. And she's now special advisor to Biden. So she's very, very aware of optics. And it's interesting that uh, in some ways you think, well, why why aren't they a bit more flashy? But the whole point is to say, this is stability. This is the man who was put in charge of the car crash that landed on President Obama's desk in 2009, January 2009. And, And Biden was put in charge of getting the economy back. And yet, people are trying to say this man isn't qualified. You know, ridiculous. Uh, so they're actually going for a very sober look. Um, for a laugh, if you, uh, you can look up Saturday Night Live, I don't know if you're familiar with that show. It's the, the, sort of the premier uh, satirical show in, in the US. And they did uh, their version of the the Trump-Biden debate. And it's, very much worth watching, I <laughs> strongly recommend it. also, we need the laugh yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I worked actually, I've actually worked in in professional theater uh, and uh, I you know I, I don't know if I've always brought that along and because I had studied design fashion, but uh, there are times when um I'm uh, preparing our speakers, our surrogate speakers, and Democrats abroad to go on TV and I will suggest certain things, you know, um, get non-reflective glasses, make sure your neckline is a certain way, because the first thing we see about people is the visual, and it's it's so deep in our genes that that sticks with us, and it's it's important that it's, you know, a positive impression, and also that it's with biden it's a strong steady impression instead of donald trump with his tie too long and the lifts in his shoes they're saying he's six foot three no way jose there is you know i'm sorry that is not accurate you know and this amazing comb over that you know i'm sure somebody's going to do a phd on donald trump's comb overs uh but all that adds to his persona whether you like it or not you know So it's, it's, the debates have become very, very uh, sensitive to visuals. There are a whole team of people in both campaigns that work on these debates. I know when my candidate was one of the democratic debates and they were doing the television debates. um, All this stuff really counts, you know, and you want to make sure the person has the right tie and things that don't flare. You know, sometimes you see people... With clothing that looks like it's pop art kind of flares and anything that distracts from your mouth and your eyes is a no-no so you want to make sure that things are subtle you know and uh that people are uh looking at at the mouth of your candidate the eyes of your candidate to show feeling and to show sincerity
3: i mean people still going about obama's tan suit
2: yeah <laughs> uh it's 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 a crazy world, but you know it is the first thing we look at and we make a judgment about people by what they look like and uh, it's it's something that you would think after all these millennia, we would get over that, but it's stronger now than it's ever been.
1: So Sam, what is there anything else that you're thinking about just trying to understand about what's happening with the American election, how it might affect uh, things going forward?
0: Yeah, um, I'm not sure if this has been asked. My internet hasn't really been amazing. If it has, then you can just cut it out. But um, given <laughs> like the given the um, the pandemic that uh, we're, we're living in, uh, how obviously I've I've seen that Donald Trump like got it, and uh, he came back into the White House and like removed it. Uh, uh, do you think that might have uh, got bo- got more people to support him? Like, how do you think that the pandemic has affected the vote is what.
2: yeah Nick, very good question uh i obviously both sides have very strong feelings about it and uh some people you know think you know they've got these uh, some of the trump supporters i don't know who did them but there's this flag with rambo you know uh, salone's character rambo his body with trump's head on it you know, and this is a man who went, you know, dodged the draft to get, you know, to get out of the war in Vietnam four times. Uh, you know, and he cues on about, oh, I'm a military man. No, you're not. This, you know, he is afraid a mask would make him look less masculine. And that is just such an immature attitude. And it's interesting that people who were Republicans? Who are you know probably still Republicans? Are uh, more people are saying this is ridiculous. This this is this is not good. You know this isn't happening. And they had one man on, I believe from Utah, who said, um, "I like his trade policies." I thought, "What? Right? Okay." Uh, you know, but I don't I don't like the way he acts. And this is the the whole thing about the president of the United States. We don't have a monarch, and. Even, you know, a lot of countries have a president, like, okay, we'll take the Republic of Ireland. They have a president who does sort of the, um, you know, the uh, reg- the things like opening of buildings and meeting the, you know, the heads of other states and all the ceremonial things. And then you have a prime minister who does the nitty gritty usually. I mean, there, it changes, there's a job description that changes slightly. We have that all in one person, the president of the United States, and it is there's there are so many things about how you're going to vote for the president that are ethereal. You know, it isn't just well I like policies A, B, and C, so I'll vote for him. It's very much how that person represents the United States to the rest of the world, how they treat people, and the whole idea of a mask being political is something that he promotes. It, 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 you know, even though he doesn't he I don't think he's ever said it, but it's the whole attitude of, you know, oh, you know, you're a wimp if you wear a mask. Well, if you have to wear a mask, you probably won't get COVID. Uh, Mr. President, have uh, have you had COVID? Hello. Uh you would and this this whole attitude has changed a lot of people's minds, even more recently than you would think. Uh and of course we've we've now lost over 212,000 people in america to covid. so um it's it has effect it's it has a big big effect on the on the election.
3: what well, uh there's a study that came out of cornell the other day that showed that trump is responsible for 38% of all the misinformation
2: about covid-19 yeah. in the world. yeah it's it's just astonishing. I mean, you know, we, we, we use these, these words and I, I can't stand the fact that John, Donald Trump uses hyperbole all the time. Everything is the most important, the best ever if he's done it. And if somebody else has done it, it's absolutely the worst thing yes. in the world. And apparently this, this comes from his father, Daddy Fred, who has damaged Donald Trump horribly as a human being, but he used to speak like that as well. Fred Trump used to say, you know, this is the greatest building that's ever happened, built in New York City and all this. And it's just, sorry, I'm trying to say something profound, but I can't. I mean, it just gets to a point where you just want to, you know, put your head in your hands and just shake your head and cry. Um,
3: that's the Donald Trump effect.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, profound statements. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's just, Of course, those of us who knew Donald Trump before all this and knew what his bravado was like, uh, you know, say, uh, people have better wake up. And then, of course, the fact that he's never been a successful businessman. That was one of his big uh, uh, aces about running is that I'm a businessman and I'm a billionaire and I can fix things. And people thought, well, we're not happy with the politicians, so maybe a businessman will be better. But the thing is that, the, you know, businesses are there to make money. That is not the role of the U.S. government. The U.S. government's role is to protect the American people, to inform the American people, and uh, not to rip them off. I mean, there's going to be a lot coming out about Donald Trump and his relationship to the U.S. Treasury Uh, that I think will be absolutely fascinating.
3: Uh, Do you, either of you have a question or can I like ask one? Okay, so (laughs) just like this kind of note, it's kind of a question in two parts or two part of question. Um, One is like, how do, you know, Democrats abroad and uh, your members Basically, how do expats feel about how Trump has kind of brought down the reputation of the U.S. kind of globally?
2: Yeah.
3: Um, like, that. that's one of the right? And also, uh, kind of linked into that, so not just, just back on Trump. Um, also, uh, as an expat yourself, how, how do you feel about the Democrats being your left-wing party now? Because over here, they'd be considered pretty... Yeah pretty right wing yeah
2: almost. i know they'd be fuzzy de- tories probably or uh, you know <laughs> so, so maybe uh, lib dem yeah I, I though i'm not supposed to speak about the power of politics the country living that that's one of the protocols but uh, yeah uh it's that norman Mailer, uh one amazing author said many years ago that when you live, when you're an American and you live outside the US, you are more protective of your country and its reputation than you were when you were living in the US. And I think that's true. I think that's why so many people give up so much time to Democrats abroad, because we care so much. I know that uh, back when George W. Bush, aka Shrub Jr, was president and um, of course the, the, the horrific things of 9/11 happened and um, the invasion of Iraq and our a people on the streets in in but certainly in London, you know, if they thought you had an American accent, they were really angry you know and and it really hurt us badly. And uh, some people said they even said they were Canadian, you know, just so, you know, they didn't get hassled. Uh, it's, it's, it's awful. And I feel so bad that our reputation is, is just in the, you know, in the sewer right now. Uh, because while all this awfulness is going on with Donald Trump and his gang, There's a lot of really good, positive things happening on a local level. There's a lot of of cities and states that are doing a lot on the environmental side of things that are creating community-based projects that will help people in their community. And of course, all that gets lost because you've got this unreality TV star, you know, who is, is feeding us all this garbage. And it it makes me very angry. Um, we we care a lot. I mean, you don't you don't do this seven days a week if you don't care. And of course, the other thing which I should mention is we're talking about Democrats abroad. Uh, as I said, founded in 1964, surprisingly. Even though we are the official arm of the Democratic National Committee, you hear the DNC mention that's the Democratic National Committee, that's the ruling body of the party, the RNC, the ruling body of the Republican Party, has never had an official arm for Americans living outside the U.S. But yet, we go up against people who, uh, you know, have Republican in their name of their group, and they're put on as if they're an equal body to us there's a group now called republicans overseas that is a political action committee a PAC, and it'd be in, you know you could look into that yourselves but these are uh organizations that are getting money for candidates uh that are not supposed to have anything to do with with campaigns or the political parties and they go on as if you know same thing You know, and one dear little producer said to me from the BBC a while ago, she says, but they have Republican in their name. And I said, does every hotel with the word royal in it belong to the Queen? You know, that's just, you know, and nobody looks, nobody checks out. Oh, they're Republicans, so we'll put them on against the Democrats and it'll show that we're balanced. be funny if one day they just brought in some (laughs) anti-monarchists don't don't, don't get i won't get into that
1: at all no i want to leave Uh, time for one one more question each from sam and kane and to think about the fact that this radio program can also be shared with u.s citizens american citizens living here in the U.K of which, surprisingly, it's hard to know how many there are. That's right, yeah. Three in six million Americans live outside of the United States. Actually, we think
2: it's around nine. Around nine million, okay. Yeah, but this is the thing. You bring up a very good point. Nobody knows. Nobody knows how many of us there are out here. Uh, The guesstimation is around nine million with 6.5 million old enough to vote. So,
1: so. In your last questions, any questions you have, this is a chance to just think about if the Americans who hear this radio broadcast and they get the chance to vote, whereas Kane and Sam, you don't have the the obviously any say in this election, but this election affects the whole world. Yes. But in the meantime, before the final questions, Sharon, we like to end our radio broadcast here on ECD with a piece of music. So if you have a piece of music from your youth or from right now that you feel like Give some sense of what's at stake, or just just the mood. Yeah. Right now, do you want to suggest we play at the end of the program, and then we'll let and Sam ask the final question.
2: Yeah. Well, this may be a bit shocking, but I'm going to go for a bit of country and western. Uh, Garth Brooks wrote a song called "We Shall Be Free," and it's wonderful. And I would that that would be my desert island disc choice. Great. And why, what what is it about that song that connects with you? Well, it's 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 first of all, it's a good song. I mean, he writes fantastic songs, but it's of course the words that that um, in a country and western song. It's quite a surprise that you know you we have this image if you're into country and Western, you're very right wing, which isn't true all the time, you know, but there's something about the words that just hit all the things that we as Americans should be working on to make ourselves part of a better country. And
1: also country and Western, like folk music in the United States, Mm. a lot of that comes from the UK comes from, from Britain. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah. Irish, I mean, you get the, the Scottish-Irish uh, immigrants. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And uh even the French, the Bretons and all this. It's a lot of that. Mm. Uh, another of, whole show. <laughs> yeah,
3: a lot of uh, like old school country in Western was really left-wing because mm. it was before everything got wrecked. Uh yeah. just, just out of curiosity, have you heard of uh, Tyler Childers?
2: I've heard the name, but I, I couldn't tell you anything. Uh, he's,
3: you know. he's he's really good. He's a he's a fiddler. It's from Georgia, I think. Uh, he just released um an album, but the last song of the album is called "Long Violent History." Oh, very good. I would recommend it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Ty- yeah.
3: Tyler. Uh, Tyler Childers. C H I L D E R S.
2: Oh, thank
0: you. I was just gonna uh ask, like, how important do you think it is to vote now uh for this election compared to like you know like an election say like 40 years ago
2: every it seems like every election we say this is the most important election in our lifetime and some of them have been but this does top all of them this is the most crucial election uh this is the the Chance for us to still hold on to a democracy. While we've been talking, there's been breaking news that uh, six men have been charged with the attempted kidnapping of, governor Mich- of the governor of Michigan. Uh, and this is, you know, you may have seen pictures of uh, protests in Michigan by people carrying guns into the, the voting area of, of the state capitol. To try to say that you know COVID didn't exist or they didn't want to wear masks, this is ridiculous. You know the, we are turning into such a a violent, a politically violent nation. I know we have a lot of violence anyway, but a pol- politically violent nation at the moment. That this is the turning point. If we don't do something now, I hate to think what would happen with four more years of Donald Trump. And and the planet, the planet is, a, is at stake in this election.
3: How kind of worried are you about a um kind of another Al Gore red mirage kind of thing happen? Because yeah. Trump and Pence are not only continually n- not promising a peaceful transition of power, they're also continually talking about how the results on November 3rd, not in the time afterwards.
2: Yes, again, uh something we worry about. Uh if Joe Biden and, and Kamala Harris win by a strong margin, which which they may, I mean, that is one possibility considering the, the volume of voters that are coming out in this election. Uh, it will be very hard for Trump and company to uh, contest the election, but they will. They will, lawyers will be going to many states. We know this will happen and contest the the vote. And uh, that's why they want to get a Supreme Court justice in place before the election. Uh, their plan is to contest the, the, the whole national vote and take it through the courts to the Supreme Court where they believe that the Supreme Court will overturn the American vote, the certified vote. And that that is just so terrifying. I mean, we, we, we just you know, we try to put it to the back of our minds, but that's why people are working so hard on voter registration. Uh, We can, the overseas vote can make a huge difference. When you look at those margins from 2016, so few votes made a difference to the states that Donald Trump won uh, in the electoral college. That it's just every vote counts, everybody's vote counts. And it has to be a strong enough result that um, even if Donald Trump does try all this uh, fancy work, it won't hold. And you know, we will, I hope, have Joe Biden swearing in at the Capitol Building on January twentieth, in twenty
1: twenty one. Well, thank you so much, Sharon Mineta. joining us from Democrats Abroad UK, talking with Sam Kane. And myself, Tony, on East Leads FM. So we look forward to maybe future conversations uh, in the months and years to come. But uh, in the meantime, thanks for taking time to talk with us. Thanks, everybody. Thank,
2: Thank you. you so much.
1: Thank you. Oh,
2: I enjoyed it. Thank you. This ain't coming from no profit. Just
4: an ordinary man. But when I close my eyes, I see the way this world shall be when we all walk in in hate. The words that he said when their shelter over, the more mistake, then we shall be free. And the last thing we notice is the color of skin, and the first thing we look for is the beauty within, and the skies and the ocean are clean again.